Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is episode 59 of the Archipreneur Now podcast. I am your host, the always fist pumping, always smiling, always doing the jive and doing the funky chicken dance. Heath Armstrong, and I am absolutely thrilled that you are here again for another episode of The Entrepreneur Now, and I'm bringing the heat with my guest today, uh, John Corcoran, a former White House aide and writer. He is a networking grandmaster blaster Mac Daddy. I've learned so much between my connection with him to the point that I'm at right now from his emailing list from the things that he was just so helpful with when I talked to him on this interview, on the pre-chat and the post-chat. And his just insight on networking in general is just irreplaceable. So I highly recommend you check that out. Uh, for our listeners only, he is giving away an amazing ebook on his website. If you go to smartbusinessrevolution.com forward slash art, uh, you can find out how to increase your income by building relationships with VIPs even if you hate networking. So I know creatives out there, uh, starving artists, starving musicians, guys, if you hate getting out and networking, you're the same as I was before I started doing this show, but chances are you're just looking at it the wrong way. I don't want to use the word networking in general, but you can use his tips and his techniques to really create this this kind of family-like web that'll seriously help you scale your business and help you get to that place that you want. So again, that's smartbusinessrevolution.com forward slash art. Chickity, check it out, guys. And I can't wait to get pumped into this interview. But everybody remember, you know, that, that life is not guaranteed. And every single moment that we live is completely precious. Every second of every day is a bonus round. We learned from Sarab Mirman, episode two. So we have to slow down. We have to enjoy something so, so, so beautiful. You are alive. And this will not always be the case. That should be enough by itself to put a glow on your face. I mean, it puts one on mine. Uh, re- reflect on the past. Look at the past, but let it be peaceful. Move forward with a huge smile, a big, big smile, big enough to change the world, and the world will change for you. And be persistent in your pursuits. Be loyal to your vision. Everything that you ever dreamed of is sleeping on the other side of your fear. Ladies and gentlemen, I am not kidding you. Wake it up and watch the magic. It's amazing. Be thankful for anything and everything because in this moment, you are alive, you are thinking, you are breathing, and you are aware. Guys, it's up to you to use your superpowers, and you can start right now by listening to John and his amazing techniques with networking. So take it to heart. Get serious with some things, and here we go. All the show notes. It is artsynow.com forward slash 59. Ooh-wee. Come on, everybody, let me hear that beat. Come on, come on, everybody, let me hear that stinkity, stinkity, rickety, dickity beat. Yeah. Well, here we go now. Who wants to get a little bit funky out there? Who wants to get a little creative out there, huh? Which one of you wants to get a little bit artsy now? Well, I do. I do. Well, get on with your bad selves. Yeah. 
flippity-flopping all over the creative grid, working his way every day to the life he loves to live. He is the Grandmaster Blaster Networking Master and the founder of SmartBusinessRevolution.com. At only 23 years old, he landed a gig as a writer for Bill Clinton inside the White House. Giving high fives and throwing out the vibes every step of the way. A skittamarinkity-dinkity-dink, a skittamarinkity-doo-hoo. John Corker on you. Are the entrepreneur now. What's going on, man? <laughs> that is the best intro I've ever had ever. Thank you, Heath. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, man. Maybe one day I'll be able to write introductions for the president. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, you keep it up. You'll get there. <laughs> Yeah, man, it's great to have you here. I'm actually super pumped to talk to you. We've we've never actually had somebody on here who was just a networking master. Obviously, you're a lawyer. You've done so many different things in your past. You're a writer. You do a lot of writing. I mean, you've you've written for Forbes, Huffington Post, Art of Manliness. We can get into that in a minute because I'm curious as to how you start doing that for the writers that are out there because it is a creative podcast. So we have we have writers, we have artists, we have musicians, and so we hit them all where we can. But yeah, sure, man, it's, yeah. It, it's great to have you on. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, happy to talk about all that. I mean, writing's in my blood. I've always enjoyed writing, and I can kind of explain how I came about. But, uh, you know, I, writing has always been something that, I, that I've liked since I was pretty young. And I, I was really into art as well, so I'm happy to talk about that. Yeah, so you sent me an email when we first started talking, which is pretty interesting because you, you touched on your creative side. And, and your background, and you talked about being in school. So you want to go through that because I, I think everything is with with your history, and then to how you got to the point you are now is extremely interesting and valuable. So let's let's do it. Let's roll through it. Yeah, it's funny. So like when I was a kid, people would ask me what I wanted to be when I was older, and I always said I I don't know exactly, but I knew I wanted to be something creative, and I didn't want to be an accountant for some reason. That was what I always said. I didn't want to be an accountant. I knew I wanted to be cre- <laughs> something creative. And I'm not in the most the most creative profession, but I think the way I approach my career, the way I approach entrepreneurship, I, I take an, a creative approach to it. Um, and I take a creative approach to uh, being a lawyer because I'm a practicing attorney with my own small firm in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, but I, um, I was always an artist as well as a kid. And I joined my high school newspaper staff, and uh, I think it was my junior year. And there was, uh, I was going to be a cartoonist. I like doing political cartoons. I actually was interested in becoming an animator. This was back, you know, in the early '90s, before you know, uh, computer animation really took hold. Yeah. And so I was interested in being an animator. And I actually took uh, courses in animation uh, back then. Um, and uh, so I did political cartoons. There was one other cartoonist on my high school newspaper staff who was a much better. Uh, illustrator than I was, and I looked at his looked at his stuff, and I was like, maybe I should uh, focus on writing, which I did, <laughs> and then I eventually became editor of my high school newspaper, so it worked out okay, and I've kind of followed writing ever since then as my means of creative expression. You still doodle in some animations every once in a while. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, I'll I'll draw things. I've I've thought about incorporating it more into my blog, but I just haven't haven't uh, done that that much. Yeah, it's just it's funny how we. Sometimes if, if we do see somebody, even if we're really good at something, if we see someone better, how we'll immediately stop doing it. Yeah, isn't that the worst? It's true. Sometimes it, that does happen. But you really don't understand till later when you look back on it that you probably could have kept going and done just as well. But, you know, everything ends right. up for a reason and you're here now doing what you're doing. Boogieing down, doing the jive, keeping it crazy and bringing the energy. So 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, you look at like someone like you look at like the New Yorker or something like that. There are artists who contribute to the New Yorker who have a particular style that's not, you know, I'm sure if they had that style when they were in ninth grade and you compared them to someone else who's more of a realist, you'd probably say, well, that style is not that great. But they were consistent with it. That was their expression. You know, it's like a an artist. I mean, it's like a, a like a musician or a singer who has a particular uh, sound, you know, they just stuck to their particular style. And I guess I never really found that. And so I didn't feel like uh, illustration drawing was uh, was like I ever really found my voice in the way that I feel like I have with writing. Yeah, absolutely. And you also said in that email that uh, was it was Brandon Boyd in your class or in your yeah. school or in your art class? So that's pretty he cool. was that's pretty cool. It's funny. So Brandon Boyd is the lead singer of Incubus. Um, Incubus, the guys who were in my grade in high school, I actually went to their first gig, which was my buddy Bo Cradle's 18th birthday party was Incubus's <laughs> first actual gig. And uh, ninth grade, when we were 14 years old, um, I took an art class uh, all year long. And uh, there were there were different tables with like you know, two people on a side. So like eight people at the table. And Brandon and I were at the same table. And we were both kind of like the best in the class or the best at the table. And we were constantly comparing notes between his stuff and my stuff. I eventually turned away from it and didn't draw as much. He since has actually published a number of, uh, of art books of his own art. I think. Has he done that recently? Just kind of in the hiatus. I mean, they put out so many albums there in a row and I haven't looked recent. So much. It's been at least six months or a year since I looked, but I saw them on Amazon or I saw them on his website or something like that. So it's been a little while since he put out the books. So that first Incubus concert, did you just like headbang till your nose bled? Because when they first started, they were much different band than they ended up being in the end. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I we go back quite a ways because from from there... They actually lived in Santa Barbara. A lot of them did. I went to UCSB, and they would perform um, in Isla Vista, which is a little community next to uh, UCSB, all the time. They were constantly playing um, as they were getting their name out. Eventually, they obviously became huge. Um, but, yeah, they were a lot more hard-edged back then. Yeah, I used to – Fungus Among Us, man. I used to blast that all the time. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I remember it's, when that It's came still out. just an amazing album. I mean, it really is. It was very unique, so cool. Yeah, yeah. So how did you take that, you know, back those memories back in the day and, and get to the point where you're at now? Um, you know, in terms of writing, uh, I think that um, it's, for me personally, writing is a creative expression. Um, and I, I can spend hours uh, working on a piece of writing. Uh, and it's it's one of those things, I'm sure that other people listening to this feel the same way. You hate it while you're doing it. Sometimes sometimes there's great moments and sometimes there's or, uh, horrible moments and you got to force you to do, yourself to do it. But then when it's done, and especially when it's published, and especially if you get feedback on it, it feels so great, you know? And then those moments are what carry you through the tough times of sitting at a table, uh, stuck at a keyboard, um, pounding it out. Um, and I try and integrate um, it all into my life now. So my I, I kind of run two businesses now. I am an attorney, practicing attorney, working mostly with entrepreneurs and small business owners um, and helping them to grow. And then the other side of my business is Smart Business Revolution, the blog and the podcast, which is 
the same audience, it's helping entrepreneurs and small business owners to get better at using relationships to grow their business. And so I write about that on Forbes and Huffington Post and Art of Manliness and Psychology Today and places like that. And I also interview people all the time as part of those articles. So I'm, I'm a people person. I'm an extrovert. I love talking to people. Mm-hmm. And so I get to get that out of my system by doing interviews, being interviewed, and in- incorporating it into my writing. And then the writing supports the business. So it's all kind of interrelated. And I think that it's important as a creative professional to try and make sure that you satisfy those various different urges. If you are an introvert, that you um, find a way to um, support that urge. Or if you're an extrovert, uh, same thing, to find a way to incorporate it into your professional life. So how how important do you think those interviews are to the whole process of your writing in in especially networking in general. I mean, cause I, I have found that doing interviews, obviously doing this podcast has just exploded my life with connections and, and a network that I never had before. So how, how powerful is that to the other people out there listening? What would you tell them about that? Oh, it's, uh, it's incredibly powerful. Um, and every once in a while there, there are people who say, you know, pod, especially when people start podcasts, they say that, you know, podcasts, there are too many interview shows, so I'm not going to do an interview show. Well, then you're losing out on that connection aspect. I, yeah. I mean, I've grown my network tremendously by interviewing people. And you don't have to do it for a podcast, by the way. Just interviewing people for different purposes, whether you're going to write an article somewhere, is a great way to grow your network. I mean, if you are an artist and you've got your fine art that you want to get into galleries, you could start a podcast or you could you know, write an article about local gallery owners. And you could use it as an excuse to call up local gallery owners and say, hey, I'm writing an article or I'm doing podcast or whatever. Can I interview you? Can I give you publicity for your gallery in this article or in this podcast? And of course they're going to do it. Or, you know, maybe they won't all say yes, but some of them will. And it's a great way for you to build relationships with them. And then, and then of course, after the fact, taking those quotes, putting them in an article, which you then get published somewhere, whether it's on your blog or somewhere like a Huffington Post, or if it's just like a local, you know, um, city newspaper in their arts section, putting that person that you've interviewed in that article that appears in that publication provides them with something. It gives them something. So you're not actually taking from them. You're not asking something of them. You're not asking for them to give you something. You're actually giving something to them. And then they're a little bit indebted to you. And so interviews are absolutely a great strategy for any creative professional, artist, writer, whatever, to build a relationship with someone who could be helpful to them in their career going forward. Yeah, I mean, it's it's insanely powerful. <laughs> it really is. And, and the content that you get out of interviews, I mean, like you said, you can apply them to podcasts, you can apply them to books, transcripts, articles, whatever it may be. And, and that information is priceless. I mean, it's extremely priceless to have. I mean, if I've done 75 interviews now, I've got 75 articles inside the minds of creative entrepreneurs all over the world. And then you have right. that sustaining connection with them afterwards as well. And right. I, I interviewed Honoré Quarter, and she's an amazing author. And she has a section in one of her books called Vision to Reality. And she calls it the 12 by 12. And it's just for networking where like literally you have this 12 by 12 sheet and you can fill in 12 different types of networks that you want to be in. And then you try to fill in 12 people for each one of those networks, you know, down the column. 
And that was pretty amazing to me because I never thought about putting it on paper. So like when you when you do your networking, is there some kind of system that you have in place for like tracking the network? Uh, or how do you how do you benefit from those in your network and how do you keep it all like wrapped together? Sure. So there's a couple of different tools that I recommend people use, and it's probably similar to this 12 by 12. I haven't heard of that before, so I'm not exactly sure how that works. But I ad- advise people to create something that I call your conversations list. And your conversations list is simply a list of the 50 people who you would like to either deepen your relationship with or create a relationship with and have an ongoing conversation with over the course of the next 12 months. And it should only take you 15 or 20 minutes to do this. You can sit down with a piece of paper or you can do it in a Word document or whatever. Sit down and just brainstorm the list of people. It could be friends of friends. It could be people you really admire. It could be authors. It could be artists. It could be gallery owners. It could be uh, other professionals in your local community. It It could be people you've never met before. And I personally use a tool like my podcast in order to build relationships with those people. But there's so much more that you can do after that. You can actually provide additional value to them after the fact. So many of the people who I've had on my podcast, I've later developed great relationships with by keeping in touch with them. And then as far as the follow-up, the continuing to develop a relationship with them, I recommend that everyone, no matter what you're doing, invest in a tool that will help you to manage all of these relationships. We all have thousands of relationships where which are in different states some are in in very uh high danger of becoming almost non-existent even though they were once a very strong relationship so we have people that we went to college with or high school with or old neighbors or old friends who for whatever reason because we're all busy we lose touch with and so you use a tool like a crm stands for customer relationship management and that allows you to manage those relationships. It's very easy. They usually, and there are different ones out there. There's Salesforce, there's Insightly. I use one called Contactually, which I have a tutorial on my site, which can show you how I use it, how I recommend you use it. And it basically is just a way of managing all those relationships. And they'll actually prompt you with reminders if, if a relationship is getting stale. And if you have oh, wow. really high priority relationships, like ones, like someone you just met, you know, or someone who you really admire or something like that, who you haven't been doing a very good job of keeping in touch with, you can set different priority levels. They call them buckets, you know, for like every 30 days or 90 days or 120 days or weekly so that you follow up with them. You send them an email with uh, a resource that you ran into or you introduce them to someone else you think would be valuable for them to know. And so really um, just first on the front end, identifying the people that are most valuable that will help you to achieve your goals. And then on the back end, after you've met them, deepening that relationship over time by continuing to provide value to them in the term in terms of introductions, resources, information. So so if you were starting and you absolutely had no network and you knew nobody at all, and you were you were familiar with the system that you were just talking about, like what what would be the first step in in finding that person out that you want to meet and getting in contact with them? Like, what would the method be? Um, I've done this multiple times in my career, 
And so this is not an unusual process for me. And it, it was one of those things where I didn't realize until other people started asking me about it that it was something that other people proud, pr, pr, you know, had real value in. You know, you mentioned that at 23 years old, I worked as a writer in the Clinton White House. I've also worked in the entertainment industry for DreamWorks. I've also worked in the heart of Silicon Valley, right across the street from eBay. I've also founded my own law firm. Uh, here in the San Francisco Bay Area. And now I'm expanding my influence online, writing for Forbes and Huffington Post. And so in multiple different industries, I've done that. And what you what you need to start with initially is actually making sure that you have the right mindset. I always start with this piece because it's so crucial. A lot of times people are are stuck at, well, what do I have to offer someone who's really successful, who I admire, who I look up to? What do I have to offer? And really, there's so many different things that you can do that can provide value to people. It really starts with getting to know that person and what's going on in their life. If they have a particular need, if they have a, you know, a spouse who's looking for a job, if they have, need to hire someone for their company, if they have a book that's coming out that they're promoting, if they are just crazy passionate about sushi and you can recommend a sushi restaurant that they should go to. Mm-hmm. There's so many different ways you can provide value. And then from there you have to think also about what your goals are. Are you working in a job right now and you want to leave that job? Are you working in a business right now and you need to get more clients in the door? What are your particular goals? And depending on those, your the the people that you want to build relationships with might vary. It might it might change. And then from that point, I think then you should put together your conversations list. And also there we haven't even really talked about this, but you can also put together conversations list for the organizations that you want to uh, deepen your involvement with and the uh, events you want to deepen your involvement with. So like annual events, like conferences or quarterly events or something like that, that you want to deepen your involvement with. And those tools, I think, will take you pretty far if you focus on those. Yeah, and you were kind of hitting there on on the personal relationship building somewhat, which I think is insanely important to get to know people as a person because not all the time are they wanting to be hounded about work or business-like things. Uh, how powerful do you think it is to say if you were standing next to two people that you knew really well, one of them you actually knew everything about their family, you could tell them that they love sushi, tell them where to go, and the other guy, all you know is you know that they like this particular type of business model. Uh, which one do you think is going to stick with the relationship much longer? I personally am way more in the personal camp. Yeah. Now, there are going to be some people that say, well, wait a second, you know, how, isn't that being a little bit too invasive? And sure, sometimes people are standoffish. But I have a strategy that I call keep it personal stupid. You've heard it. You've heard of keep it simple stupid. This is keep it personal stupid. Kips. Yes, exactly. You know, you're looking for an opening or an opportunity. And people in the normal course of conversation, if you're meeting someone, will leave little breadcrumbs, which if you pick up on them, will give you opportunities to deepen that relationship. And this is the foundation of establishing trust, having those types of deeper conversations. When we can just talk about business all day long, but you won't develop any kind of bond with someone. You won't get that fundamental trust. So I think you need to look for the breadcrumbs. It it might be something like this. You're at a conference and you're talking to someone and they're talking and and they mention, oh yeah, I'm only going to be here for another hour or so then I have to leave because I have to go see my daughter's volleyball game. Well, that's a huge opportunity for you to say, oh really, your daughter plays volleyball. Is that in high school or college? And and is this the beginning of the season or what position does she play? You know, 
a small thing like that, and that might they might just take off with that point and just start telling you all about their daughter. It might be something that they're a lot more passionate about talking about than than something related to their vocation or something related to their business. You do that, you take interest in the person, and you start asking them questions about that particular thing, and you will develop a much tighter bond with that person than you would otherwise. Yeah, absolutely, man. And like, if you if you tween that down to a daily habit, if you're if you're trying to make these personal relationships on a day to day basis, what kind of habits do you put into place uh, to make sure that you don't lose these relationships or these networks? Um, so I I usually log into my Contactly program on a daily basis to see what's going on with people. I'll look and see what updates are have been brought in. Uh, and it'll update me. It'll say so-and-so got a new job um, or you haven't communicated with someone in quite a while. Um, you know, it's been six months since you've communicated with someone. And I'll think about, well, you know, maybe I'll do a little research. I'll look at their LinkedIn update to see what new job they got. Uh, or I'll look at what, what the last email exchange was between us. Uh, or I'll look and see what's going on with them on, on social media. And then maybe I'll think about, well, is there someone I can introduce them to? Uh, or is there something that I've read recently in the news that I can share with them that would be of value to them because it's something that they're interested in? Uh, so I'll try and do that. I, I especially like making introductions. Um, I guarantee you, everyone who's listening to this right now, if you're in your car, running, at the gym, whatever, there are two people in your network at least that you know that don't know each other that would benefit dramatically from knowing each other. And if you make that introduction, they will always be deeply grateful to you. And so I'm not the first one to say this. There are plenty of other people who have taken this strategy to the bank, literally. They go and introduce you know, a couple of people a week, and pretty soon you've introduced hundreds throughout the year. And I've had people personally that through my introduction have started businesses together. They've engaged in joint ventures together. They've uh, sold things to one another um, they've gotten jobs. And in each case, you're building up a well of gratitude and a well of value uh, to the other people within your network. And then it just reciprocates. I mean, I get to the point where now I get a lot of introductions, a lot of people introducing me to amazing people um, that I'm just completely grateful for. I mean, one of them, uh, you know, for example, Michael Port is the author of Book Yourself Solid and about a half dozen other books. He's someone who I've admired for quite a long time. I read his book, Book Yourself Solid, when it first came out. Uh, actually, no, sorry, not when it first came out, when I was starting my my own business, and I was deeply grateful to it. And um, I had someone else who introduced me to him. They just saw that I was influenced by him. They read my site and said um, that I, I would like to introduce you to him. This was actually, his name is Matthew Kimberly, who is a business partner with Michael. And because of that introduction, I'm just deeply grateful. I've learned a ton from Michael. Um, I ended up organizing a little networking dinner with a couple other people when he was in town in San Francisco. And so tremendous things can come from going out in the world and making introductions of other people. <laughs> yeah, man, I can't agree more. Like that is the power of, of my network as well, is just reaching out and introductions from other people to me and then me to other people. And it's insane looking back. Like I'm actually writing a post on this right now. And it's about the very first person I reached out to, how she connected me to two other people and how it's just exploded since then. 
and it's mm-hmm. just a, a little bit of giving and a little bit of receiving, but it has changed my entire life and it's made other connections between people that have changed the course of their life. So it, it's, it's insane to, to look back and think of, but man, you're absolutely right. There's nothing more powerful than networking in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's an excellent book called Give and Take by Adam Grant, which came out in the beginning of 2013. And that book, it's written by a Wharton professor, and it's got these great different examples of social science experiments that were that were done, a variety of different experiments. And it's written in a very engaging way, so it's, it's a wonderful book, really well written. Um, but it provides the social science research and the, really the proof behind the argument that giving to other people will actually help you rise to the top of the success ladder. And uh, he just uses example after example of different people in different industries who were givers, who spent time making introductions of other others without expecting to get anything in return or spending time doing little favors for other people within their network. Um, rather than trying to take, rather to rather than trying to think of themselves, trying to get for themselves first. And so, one of my one of the things that really inspires me, one of the things that really gets me up in the morning, is trying to encourage as many other people, professionals, artists, writers, entrepreneurs, small business owners, to take that to the bank, to go and introduce other people, and to help other people, and to be more givers rather than takers, because. Honestly, I'm just one person. I can introduce a couple of people a day if I want to, but if I can inspire people who are listening to this through a podcast or through my podcast to go out and do the same, then that's going to be far more powerful. Yeah, there's nothing more powerful, man. So, yeah, well, flip, and flip. it's good for you. It's that's the the bottom line is it's good for you. If you're struggling, if you're not getting enough clients, if you're not getting that promotion at work, if you're not getting a new job, Chances are, in a lot of cases, it's because people are living like an island because they're not helping other people. And it sounds counterintuitive. It sounds like, you know, people often think, well, I'm looking at someone who's very successful. Why should I go and help them? I need more help than they do. They've got millions of dollars in the bank. They've got a staff of people working for them. Why should I go out and help them when I would like them to help me? Right. Yeah, right. But the truth is, is if you do that, if you take that approach, if you go out and help go out helping people, it will be it will come back to you many times over. There's a famous quote from Zig Ziglar. I think I'm going to butcher it, but it was something like if you help other people to get what you can get, whatever you want in life, if you will only help others to get what they want. And that is absolutely true. Yeah. Powerful. I don't think you butchered it. I, I may have uh, I may have uh, modified it a little bit. <laughs> we'll put a link to that book in the show notes as well, and I'm definitely going to check it out. Uh, and all the show notes will be at artsynow.com forward slash John Corcoran. And so let's flip to the other side real quick, man. What what are some no nos to networking? Uh, you know, I, obviously you don't want to cry or poop your pants or pee your pants or be needy or anything. But what what are some real world no-nos that that you would say don't work or you shouldn't do? Well, I think that um, trying to have it, trying to jump to the sale too quickly, 
whether it's selling yourself or selling a product or selling a service or something like that, that's a big mistake that people get. And the reason why the word networking has such a bad connotation, and I actually don't even use it that much, because people tend to tune it out, they, they then tend to think that, oh, no, networking, I don't, I don't want to do that, um, is because so many people think of networking as some guy at a cocktail party who's sticking his business card in your hands and who's trying to get you to buy a life insurance policy from him. And so that's the wrong way to go about it. The better way to go about it is to actually use networking to build relationships with people and to build trust over time. And if you build up trust, if you build relationships, then eventually down the line, they will refer business to you. They will refer other customers or clients to you. They will refer other people to you, broaden your network, and it will help you tremendously. Uh, so I think jumping to the sale too quickly, I think um, often people who uh, are maybe a little bit negative or cynical uh, or uh, critical uh, when you're meeting someone for the first time or when you're at an event, um, those sorts of qualities tend to turn people off. Those people who are um, looking to build relationships in order to grow their business or to create other opportunities are going to be tend to be turned off by people who are um, trying to that are, that are that are critical or that are cynical or that are um, you know obsessed with the uh, some negative aspects. So um, trying to be more positive or, or upbeat. Uh, in a social situation where you're where you're meeting people for the first time is also another thing that I think people should do. Yeah, don't don't pout and cry like I I can't. Sometimes when I meet people for the first time, that is the impression you're going to carry with you for a long time if you're not around them a lot. And I've seen those first impressions go from being terrible to being awesome the very next time just because you know they came out with more positive energy and it changed everything. So. Right. Yeah. And, you know, oftentimes if you're coming out to an event and you just don't feel it, like if you're feeling like, oh, I don't want to be there, then it's going to show. And other people are not going to want to spend the time with you. It's going to be a waste of your time. So just don't do it. Just go home uh, if that's going to be your attitude. One of the problems that people have and, you know, it's OK for you to say for anyone to say, I don't like networking or I don't like going out to networking events. I totally agree. Because, you know, you'd probably rather be spending that time with your family or at home or engaging in some hobby or something like that. But the, the where people screw up is they uh, go out to, they, they acknowledge that it is important to build relationships. So they go out to a networking event, they meet some people, and then afterwards there's no follow-up. And so, like, I, I swear, I swear, like, if I meet people, nine times out of ten I will not receive a response from the person unless I initiate that contact in terms of the follow-up so the problem with that is that if you don't like networking if you don't like going to networking events and you don't follow up then you're dooming yourself to be on the networking hamster wheel for the rest of your life you're stuck going back again and again and again because you know that relationships are important but you don't follow up so the better approach is to make sure you're going to the right events to begin with and then follow up with the people who you meet and move those relationships from an initial meeting on down up the ladder, so to speak, uh, to a point where you're deepening the relationship. Yeah. I, I like that term, the networking hamster wheel. <laughs> yeah. Right. I can get a visual in my head from it. So 
Yeah, right. You, have, you get stuck on it, and it ha- happens. So many people, so many people do get stuck on it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if if you could go back, and well, let's 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 do this. If you could spend an hour creating something with anybody from the past or present uh, or future, I mean, present, future, present tense, whatever. Who do you think you would pick, and, and what do you think you would create? I mean, are there any people that you? really looked up to as creative influences when you were younger? Um, as creative influences. You know, I, I thought about that. Um, I've thought about that question just in terms of, you know, relatives of mine who are past now. When I was a kid, I, I loved Legos. Um, and now my, my four-year-old son is starting to get into Legos. So it's kind of fun, like it's coming full circle, doing that again with him. But, you know, I, I remember some of my happiest moments were like with my grandparents when I was really, really young. Um, and so like I would love to relive that as a kid playing Legos with my grandparents. Um, as far as creative influences go, um, you know, I was a, a, an English major in college. And so I, I read a lot. I read a lot as a kid. Um, I'm a big fan of, um, Mark Twain. Um, uh, yeah, a lot of, read a lot of, uh, American literature, Frederick Douglass, um, some of the, the poets from the 19th century American literature. Um, and, uh, so I think those were more of my influences. Um, T.C. Boyle's another, uh, a more contemporary novelist that I'm a big fan of. Legos, man, that takes me back to, I, I, sometimes ask people what the first thing they remember creating was. And so you kind of hit that right on the button too with, with, with the old Legos. I used to get in a lot of trouble with those things. Yeah. <laughs> well, how'd you get in trouble? Where'd you put them? Well, you put them in a lot of places that you're not supposed to. <laughs> I see. <laughs> yeah. My four year olds figuring that out about now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, well, if you had to battle Godzilla, John, how do you think you would use your, networking or your creativity or your talents to defeat that big, ugly, crazy bastard? <laughs> you know, if, if I had to bat- battle Godzilla, I, I would take, I would, I would come up to Godzilla and I would just explain, L- listen, Godzilla, <laughs> you, you're going to do much better if you, rather than try and destroy this miniature Japanese city, uh, being a taker. You're going to do much better if you're a giver. So really, stop with the fire-breathing monster bit and focus on being a giver. So help these little miniature dioramas of Japanese cities and, and help them out and be a giver. And you're, you're going to achieve so much more in life if that's what you do. That's what I would say to Godzilla. And in return, he would become a giver and he would... He would save he the would, world. He would probably light my hair on fire. <laughs> <laughs> but you did your part to change the world, right? So that's all I that tried. That's true. That's and true. And he would remember I, you for it, so you'd be in the network. <laughs> that's right. He would follow up with me, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it, it's been awesome. I've been pumped to have you on. I've I've learned so much about networking in this, you know, small 30 minutes that I probably more than I ever have at one time in my life. And I think it is gigantic, it's huge. It is the driving force behind everything that I do now. Uh, and it is probably the most fun. I mean, to be honest, I, I don't know why. I used to be kind of somewhat of an introvert, but since I started networking, it has completely brought me out of my shell. I'm not at all anymore. And now when I'm in public, I do want to talk to people because there is always something intriguing on the other side of that fence. And there's no reason not to go for it. So 
Yeah, and you know, I'll I'll explain a, perhaps a, a reason behind that is um, a lot of times networking is associated with something that we don't enjoy doing. Like we, a lot of people who are in a job that they don't like and they're doing networking for in support of that job, they associate it in a negative way. But what you're doing and what many people do do is by in starting a podcast or doing proactive net networking, you're singling out the people who you want to build a relationship with, which is something completely different from building relationships with people to support something that you don't want to continue. And so um, anyone who's listening to this who has a negative association with networking, I, I hope you'll take the time to create the conversations list that I that I mentioned and get really creative about thinking who are the people that I really look up to and admire who I just love to uh, talk to for a half an hour on the phone to interview them and go out there and actually do it. You'd be surprised how far you can get. I mean, of course, depending on on how busy and successful the people are you're trying trying to connect with but uh, you know for you Heath I think the reason that you are enjoying it so much is because you are choosing deliberately the people who you want to build relationships with and that's such a powerful thing so I hope that everyone here will do the same thing will be proactive about developing relationships with people who they want to be uh, in a relationship with and and I'll even Put it so far as you know. What would you like your ideal network, your ideal circle of close connections to look like three to five years from now? You know, if you could just pick up the phone and call people who you admire right now, who you don't know, what would you? Who would you like to be in that circle? And put those people down on that list, and then start working towards building relationships with those people. I know through my podcast, I've I've had some amazing uh, conversations with people who I admire. Uh, authors of books that I've read that I really enjoyed, um, entrepreneurs who started amazing companies. And that's just inspiring and engaging, and it just lights me up. And so I hope that anyone who's listening to this will be inspired to try it out themselves. Yeah, and I absolutely recommend checking out the Smart Business Revolution podcast. You did you did a, a episode with Gary Vee, didn't you? Like, I remember listening uh -huh. to one a while ago that I, I think I really remembered liking that episode. I did, yeah, you yeah. You've had John yeah. Lee. Do you've had you've had all sorts of people on there, like big big names. Noah Kagan, I think. Um, mm -hmm. I've had Noah Kagan. He was on episode fifty. I've had uh, Dan Pink twice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I've had uh, Marie Forleo. I've had uh, who else have I had? Um, uh, Derek Halpern, John Lee Dumas, James Clear, Amy Porterfield, Gary Vaynerchuk, as you mentioned. I focus on asking entrepreneurs and authors. Uh, about um, how to develop relationships. And so my Godzilla question on my podcast is, um, who are some of the people who have been instrumental to your success in your career over the last, you know, the duration of your career? And, and I, I mean like your, your mentors, your business associates, your partners, uh, friends, that sort of thing. And people, I think, really enjoy answering that question. Yeah, they get to reflect on it. So, and yeah, you, you answered that question before, right on the money, because I'd never really thought about why people have a bad taste for networking. And man, you're right; it it is because of that. And most of the time, they're thinking networking and something that they don't enjoy doing. And it's just so so different when you actually are networking with people that you would like to know and that you would want to learn more about. 
So. Oh, huge game changer, huge game changer. You know, and and um, sometimes you're stuck in your circumstance where you are in a job for the time being that you're not too fond of. But that doesn't mean that you can't use proactive relationship building in order to get yourself out of that situation rather than just being miserable and unhappy about it. Actually do something about it. Put together a list of people who you'd like to develop relationships with and then take proactive steps in order to develop those relationships. You can completely reinvent your network. I mean, I before I started getting involved uh, in building my uh, reputation online and writing for Forbes and Huffington Post and everything, I knew no one. And as recently as just a couple of years ago, I knew no one. And so, but I, I knew that I had uh, built networks before in new industries where I had no reputation before. And so I just set about to, uh, one at a time, building up relationships with different people. And so you can do it. You, you Whatever industry you're in, whatever industry you want to be in, whatever uh, field you're interested in, you can start building relationships and you can create a much better network three to five years from now, or even a year or two from now, just from taking a few steps today. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, guys, it's not it's not that hard to network. Just reach out and do it. If you want to meet, you know, Bill Clinton, send him some sweet stuff, swag bombs in the mail. Who knows? If you want to meet Richard Simmons, go get a, a tutu and a hula hoop and start strutting it around the streets. If you want to, if you want to meet Willy Wonka, go buy some candy and start making a candy trail. But don't go stand outside of a school because... You know, you might get in trouble for that. Right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I've, I've really enjoyed having you on, man. How can our listeners find you or get in contact with you? And then do you have any uh, favorite closing advice that you'd like to give them? Uh, yeah, well, thanks so much for having me. Uh, if you go to smartbusinessrevolution.com, and I'll just set up a welcome page for any of your listeners who want to grab a copy of my ebook. We'll go to smartbusinessrevolution.com slash art. And you can grab my ebook, which is 52 page, uh, all my best advice. It's called How to Increase Your Income by Building Relationships with Influencers, Even If You Hate Networking. And it's really aimed at giving you these types of strategies and tips that we talked about here uh, on how to build your relationships in a proactive way. And then, final piece of advice go out there and be a giver. Take, you know, start with something very simple like an introduction. Think right now about two people within your network who you think would benefit from knowing one another. And then hop over into your email, type in their two email addresses, and do an introduction, tell a little bit about each of them, and then let them take it from there. And then continue that pattern. Get in a habit of doing it as much as you can, and you will be really pleased with the results over time. <laughs> Absolutely, man. So th thank you so much for all the value that you've brought. I will put that link in the show notes. That's smartbusinessrevolution.com forward slash art. Is that what you said? Yeah, that's right. And then everybody remember to get out there, do something crazy, do something funky, do a little networking. It'll it'll get you out of your, your dress. It'll make you become a man or a woman. Surrender to your passion. Practice, practice, practice. Break the rules, but first break the rulers, John. And thanks so much for being the entrepreneur now. And always remember to keep it funky, man. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Archerpreneur Now. For all the show notes, it's artsynow.com. If you want to be a guest on the show, email me at create at artsynow.com or on Twitter at HB underscore Armstrong. 
The music? Well, that's shaky feeling. Check them out. Ventura, California. Ta-ta! Keep it funky.